like many people on the left, the presidency of Donald Trump took me by surprise. It was such a shock to learn that people that I know, people that I care about, could support someone who, to me, is so far outside the pale, is so obviously someone who is not informed, is not well-educated, does not read, does not trust experts, does not have empathy, as far as I could tell, someone who believes in conspiracy theories, and and that list goes on. I'm not going to belabor it. This is not a political, meant to be so political. But when I think about that shock, when I think about what I learned about human beings, what I learned about America, what I learned about politics, a particular sensation, a particular experience comes to mind. It's like this experience of thinking you understand more or less how the world works. You understand more or less what's real, what's conspiracy theory. And, and you have this understanding because you have experts, you have scientists, you have journalists, you have people who do great work at uncovering and exposing and talking about truth, what matters, what's real. And so you try to engage, you try to understand, you try to learn and talk, and suddenly you end up walking into a world which is was totally unknown to you. It's a world which feels like a very uncanny simulacrum of your own world. You discover a place that has its own experts and its own journalists and its own ideas and conceptions of reality, which are parallel but different from your own. And there's like this vertigo effect of like, oh my God, how did I not know about this? How does this exist? And what does this mean? Like many people, I love the books, the writings of Philip K. Dick. One of his most famous works is his short stories or the book To Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Right in the middle of this book is a really interesting, really compelling scene that I think about a lot. The, the basic plot of the book is that we are following a bounty hunter named Rick Deckard. And Rick Deckard is charged with finding and killing androids who are living on Earth illegally. Now the problem is androids are more or less, they're almost indistinguishable from human beings. The, the differences between androids and human beings is that androids have a much shorter lifespan, just about four years. Androids are created in factories. And androids can have memories implanted in a way that human beings can't. So androids can have fake memories, false memories. Before killing an android, uh, Deckard has to administer a test called a Voigt-Kampf test, which measures uh, supposedly a empathetic reaction in a person uh, to sort of determine do they have this like empathetic reflex, which supposedly only human beings have. And so this is the test that Deckard uses to determine if 
his subject is actually an android and should be killed. So, right in the middle of the book, there's a scene where he's at an opera house. And he's in the dressing room with an opera singer named Lubba Luft. And he suspects that she is an android. And so he is administering her the Voigt-Kampf test. And Lubba Luft is very evasive. She refuses to comply, to cooperate with the test. She doesn't answer any of Deckard's questions. Deckard says to Luba Luft, Please listen carefully. These questions will deal with social situations which you might find yourself in. What I want from you is a statement of response. What you do. And I want the response as quickly as you can give it. One of the factors I'll record is the time lag, if any. He selected his initial question. You're sitting watching TV and suddenly you discover a wasp crawling on your wrist. He checked with his watch, counting the seconds, and checked too with the twin dials. What's a wasp? Lubaluft asked. A stinging bug that flies. Oh, how strange. Her immense eyes widened with childlike acceptance, as if he had revealed the cardinal mystery of creation. Do they still exist? I've never seen one. They died out because of the dust. Don't you really know what a wasp is? You must have been alive when there were wasps. It's only been... Tell me the German word, Lubaluft says. He tried to think of the German word for wasp, but, but couldn't. Your English is perfect, he said angrily. My accent, she corrected, is perfect. It has to be. For roles, for Purcell and Walton and Von Williams, but my vocabulary isn't very large. She glanced at him shyly. Wespe, he said, remembering the German word. Ah, yes, in Wespe, she laughed. And what was the question? I forgot already. End quote. And so this kind of back and forth, this evasion goes on for, for quite a while. At one point, Deckard drops something. He bends down to pick it up. And, quote, when he stood up, he found himself looking into a laser tube. Lubaluf says to him, you're not from the police department. You're a sexual deviant. You can look at my identification. He reached towards his coat pocket. His hand, he saw, had again begun to shake, as it had with Polikov. If you reach in there, Lubaluf said, I'll kill you. They have a very tense exchange. Deckard assumes that he's, he's done for. He's going to be killed. And then something very surprising happens. Lubaluf says, the pattern of your questioning is obvious. I'm going to call the police. Still holding the laser tube in his direction, she crossed the room, picked up the vidphone, dialed the operator. Connect me with the San Francisco Police Department, she said. I need a policeman. What you're doing, Rick said with relief, is the best idea possible. Yet it seemed strange to him that Luba had decided to do this. Why didn't she simply kill him? Once the patrolman arrived, her chance would disappear and it would all go away. She must think she's human, he decided. Obviously, she doesn't know. End quote. Eventually, an officer arrives. His name is Officer Krams. And Officer Krams is shocked to see Rick Deckard's badge, to see that, yeah, he too is in the police force. But when they try to exchange names, when they try to talk about who they might know, uh, they can't find any names in common. So this is all very suspicious to Officer Krams, who 
puts Deckard in handcuffs and puts him in a patrol car to take him down to the Hall of Justice. And at this point, Deckard is feeling pretty relieved. He's happy. He works at the Hall of Justice every day. But he notices that they're driving south when they should be driving north. Quote, The Hall of Justice, Rick said, is north on Lombard. That's the old Hall of Justice, Officer Cram said. The new one is on mission. That old building, it's disintegrating. It's a ruin. Nobody's used that for years. Has it been that long since you last got booked? Rick said, admit to me that you're an android. Why? I'm not an android. What do you do? Roam around killing people and telling yourself they're androids? I can see why Miss Luft was scared. It's a good thing for her that she called us. Then take me to the Hall of Justice on Lombard. I'll take about three minutes, Rick said. I want to see it. Every morning I check in for work. I want to see that it's been abandoned for years, as you say. Maybe you're an android, Officer Cram said, with a false memory, like they give them. Had you thought of that? He grinned frigidly as he continued to drive south. End quote. And so, Rick Deckard arrives at this Hall of Justice that he's never been to before, which is eerily similar to his own, but it's also different. Eventually, Deckard is introduced, and he sits down with a police inspector named Garland, and Garland is going through Deckard's briefcase, and he finds a list of androids that uh, Deckard is targeting, that he's supposed to kill as a bounty hunter, and he finds that his own name is on that list. And so Garland sort of summarizes this situation to another one of his bounty hunters. Quote, I don't think you understand the situation, Garland said. This man, or android, Rick Deckard, comes to us from a phantom, hallucinatory, non-existent police agency allegedly operating out of the old department headquarters on Lombard. He's never heard of us, and we've never heard of him. Yet ostensibly, we're both working the same side of the street. He employs a test we've never heard of. The list he carries around isn't of androids. It's a list of human beings. He's already killed once, at least once. And if Miss Luft hadn't gotten to a phone, he probably would have killed her. And then eventually, he would have come sniffing around for me. End quote. And so that's it. That's Philip K. Dick describing... This bizarre, uncanny, telescoping experience of finding yourself in a uncanny simulacrum. And it's a scene, and it's an experience that I think about a lot.